Welcome everybody to my first ever podcast, Broken But Not Dumb. Today we'll be going over the struggles that students go through while going through school. If that be dyslexia, depression, anxiety, we'll be going over all of that today. So stay tuned. Today on the show, everybody, I have my friend and colleague, Noah Poindexter. Noah, say hi. Hey, what's up, guys? My name's Noah. Uh, I'm here at the University of Arkansas. I'm majoring in uh, biology and English. I'm uh, originally from Hot Springs, Arkansas. And uh, I'm glad. Thanks thanks for inviting me. Welcome on the show, Noah. How's everything going today, man? Pretty good, pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. You know, the holiday season's right around the corner. You got any big plans coming up? Just, just gonna spend time with family, like I think most of us are, getting a well-deserved break. So. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. So, you know, the show today is about struggles that students go through with learning disabilities and everything else. You know, you've expressed to me in private about some of the stuff you go through uh, with moving through high school and your childhood and everything like that. Uh, can you explain to me a little bit of how that goes? Right. So. I think everybody who uh, moves high schools finds it hard to, like, you know, make friends and stuff like that. Um, You know, when you're younger especially because at that point you're just trying to, like, get grounded in the world. And um, you're just trying to, like, find some, like, stability in your life. So any change in your environment, I mean, it can be – it was positive for me, but usually it's negative for a lot of people that, like, move high schools. So I can definitely see that. Fortunately enough – you know, go, me going through high school, I didn't do a lot of moving, but in my college career, bouncing from college to college, it has had some positive and negative impacts. You said that it was mostly positive for you. Where did you move from? Where did you originally start and where did you end up and what kind of uh, positive changes did you see? So I went to high school in Arkansas for a year and then I- uh, What high school did you go to? Lakeside High School. Where's in, that? Uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Okay. And then I moved to uh, Round Rock, Texas about four or five years ago. So, and I graduated from there. And it was a positive experience for me. What year did you graduate? I'm sorry, I was cutting you off. To 2018. 2018. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, what kind of positive experience did you have going through those four years of high school in Round Rock, Texas? uh, Through your educational process? Was it friends that helped you? People you met? What kind of things like that did you notice? Um... Well, for me, uh, it's you're going to like a 6A school now. I was going to a 6A school now instead of like a 4A. So I want to say there was about 700 people in our graduating class. So it was like fairly like larger than my previous high school. Okay, so in Texas, folks, they classify schools based on 1 to 6A. 6A being the biggest schools you can possibly get, like the super mega schools. All right, go ahead. Tell right, me. right. Yeah, so <laughs> that being said, there's just, like, a bunch of people I didn't know. So I guess it kind of, like, forced me to, like, adapt to change and, you know, make new friends, which is good. But also, you, like, lost some, like, the past relationships by moving. Um, and how was that on you, losing those relationships you had as a child in Hot Springs and gaining new friends in Round Rock? Um, it's kind of tough at first, but, uh, you realize, you got to realize that, like, friends come and go, and so, like, 
me like being there, I just kind of like, I want to say I just became more like aware, I guess, of like what I was doing and like who I'd like surround myself with. And, um, you know, during the whole moving process, how was your education affected? Uh, I, I feel like my education, like I actually got a better education by moving to Texas. Okay. Or, and so like, but how am I trying to put this? Your mental fortitude through moving, because everybody knows when you move from one location to another, things can happen. You can, you know, end up hating it. You can end up loving it. You can fall into a little bit of a dark hole. You can, you know, end up on top of the world. What What did you experience as a individual moving from, you know, what, seven, eight hours away from your original home? Right. Yeah, so... At first, they you know, I think like everybody does, feels kind of like, you know, wants to like socially like isolate themselves. But uh, the more you like come to realize that, oh, like these people are actually like not here to like hurt me. Like they actually like want to be friends. So then you kind of like break out of your comfort zone a little bit. So that's definitely that's cool. Part of it, yeah. So through your whole educational career, you know, did you do pre K? Not a lot of people do pre K, but did you? No, I didn't. No, okay. No, uh, I was fortunate enough to do to do pre K because as a child I was a little bit of a bilingual kid, and so I have that extra year in quotation finger quotes, you could say. But I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia as a child. Were you diagnosed with anything like that that you had to overcome throughout your educational process? Um, so I didn't really have a, so I didn't really have a learning disability per se, but I did get diagnosed with a clinical depression, uh, when I was in high school and that's always been like hard on me. So I, I just want to say like, it, it does like when you're diagnosed, you don't like realize what it truly is at first, but when you like come to terms with it, it gets better. Of course, like. So you're saying from so it did when you get diagnosed, there's there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. Is that kind of what you're right, saying? Right. Yeah. Along those lines. Yeah. And you, you don't really understand what you're going through until you're out of that tunnel and you can look back on life. Is that kind of what you're pretty much? Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Definitely understand that. Yeah. But can you go a little bit deeper on how you got diagnosed? Was it from school and stress of school? Or was it, you know, for outside stresses? But if you don't want to talk about it, please don't. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, so I'm one of, like, the – I'm not first in my family. I'm the first of my siblings to, like, go to college. So obviously, like, a parent's stress was there. And, like, <clears throat> my parents have always been supportive. Um, I care and love them very dearly. Like, at no point in time did I think, like – they were against me or anything like that. So that, that stress was there. And emotionally, um, I wouldn't say I was like in the best place. Um, <clears throat> so when we talk about, you know, kids having to move and stuff, for me, it was like the summer, uh, right after I got back, um, I just felt down like for no reason. And some of that, like, ended up me getting diagnosed, like, with clinical depression. Went to see, like, a psychologist and everything. So, and that, like, 
part of me that like affected my education somewhat because you know at that point you're kind of like losing your appetite don't want to go to lunch don't want to talk to people uh it's kind of hard to focus you like lack some of your interests so so i you know that's that's very interesting and you're an english major and going into pre-med is that kind of what drove you to do these majors was the did you write to get through this or was just the hey i want to do pre-med because i've been through this and i want to help others yeah so yeah i mean that a part of it that plays in a part of it i mean with an english major uh i focus primarily on like poetry and stuff in high school because for me that was kind of like a i want to say i'll say coping mechanism because at that point, uh, like pen on paper, that's just like kind of what you feel and like know is there in your heart. And, you know, stuff you like can't convey to anybody or you can't like emotionally articulate well. Uh, that can help you out. That's uh, That was uh, writing, I'd say, as an outlet. So, yeah, that did go into like part of me choosing that as my major in college. So That's, uh, that's definitely an interesting way to deal with things because... A lot of people can go, you know, be very violent or they could just not do a thing and just hide in their rooms in a dark area. And I don't feel like that helps very much with a lot of people. I can't say that I've been clinically diagnosed with depression, but I think we've all in our lifetime have dealt with some kind of sadness. Of course, of course. That we have to overcome. Be that a death, this or that, you know, we just all have to work to be better people, but you can't do that alone. And I, I think we both agree on that. Right. And I tell like most of the people that I meet, like you made it through 100% of your worst days. So like you got this, like you're here for a reason. Yeah. Like people understand, like. That's definitely cool. I, I definitely, I think if I was to put anywhere of my problems into the depression category, it would have to be when I was first diagnosed with dyslexia. I felt like I was dumber and just stupid compared to the rest of my classmates. And in fact, I was called dumb and stupid by some of my family members and some of my colleagues and classmates at the time. And it just, it really knocks you down a ton. And a lot of people don't know what dyslexia is. Do you, do you have any idea what it is? Um, I mean, I know there's different types. Uh, so nowadays, normally dyslexia is just one topic. It really? used to be numeric and alphabetic, right? But they've discovered that, you know, hey, yeah, a kid might be better with numbers, but he still flips numbers from time to time. So dyslexia is the disconnect from the mind into the hand into the mouth of how your eyes see something. So say I saw 68, right? Mm-hmm. But it was actually 86. I've done that numerous amounts of time with numerous different numbers. And you just notice little changes and little things that uh, will change throughout time. Like sometimes you'll read a sentence completely backwards and you won't even realize it. And there's a study that a lot of left-handed people have dyslexia because this world is made for right-handed people. And it is what it is. Us lefties all adapt. But at the same time, being ridiculed, being called dumb, stupid was really a dark time for me. I can remember back to when I was a kid in about first grade because I do not diagnose dyslexia in Texas until about second, third grade. 
because your mind is still developing and they're trying to find the characteristics of it. And I could not get sight words to save my life. I couldn't spell to save my life. And I was sitting at the kitchen table doing whatever, you know, an elementary kid does to learn the words. What my method was is I would take the word and I'd write it 10 times each on my spelling list. And my mom would come and look at him after she took the words away and have me spell each one of them. And unfortunately, at the time, she would be like, what is wrong with you? Are you fucking stupid? Excuse my language, folks. But that's how she came at me. Until one day, a beautiful teacher named Miss Rhodes got me diagnosed early for the dyslexia test. And ever since then, I had a reading specialist named Miss Thompson, who I'll never forget. Thank you. Bless your heart. You're a saint. Because without all my help throughout elementary school, I would not be the person I am today. I might be super sad, super depressed. And I might have dropped out of school because for a long time, people didn't understand what dyslexia was. Right. People would ridicule me because I would get a paragraph done after they got a whole page or two pages done. Especially when you're young and the mind isn't completely developed yet. It took me that long. For normal people, it might take you 20 minutes to do your homework. For me, it would take me two hours. And yeah, it had some negative side effects to everything, but the positives were better here at the end. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's why I can correlate with your depression in a similar but not exactly similar way. Right. What other uh, things throughout high school did you have to suffer with? Like that affected your education, if you don't mind me asking. Um, I would say, I mean, yeah, honestly, not not really anything else. I mean, that's kind of it. Did you play any sports? Were you a student athlete by chance? Um, I was, but <laughs> it was for a JV uh, B team. So JV B team, what? What sport? Like basketball. Okay, basketball. basketball. That's that's pretty interesting. So, how did you juggle school and? <laughs> Sports. Um, did your grades take a dip when you started doing sports, and that's why? You no, I think up, my uh, I think my grades actually went up because um, you had something to study for. Yeah, right. That and like when you're ever when you're doing a sport, you just have like so much energy because you're like working out like all the time. So I feel like that helped me like stay fo- focused more. So definitely, definitely cool. I I can agree on that one. I. Uh, Played sports all the way up to my freshman year of college where I finished at University of Hardin-Simmons out in Abilene, Texas. And uh, I can say during the first semester of high school every year, I tried my hardest throughout all my classes because I knew if I didn't pass, I couldn't play. And uh, the second semester, I couldn't say so much. That's why I finished out school with a 3.4 GPA. I I think if I would have tried a little bit harder those second semesters, I would have done a lot better. And I didn't realize that to my end of junior year, beginning of senior year, that you need to try throughout. And it will help you in the long run of getting scholarships at uh, schools for continuing your career of education, which, you know, we do every day, but talk about more like universities and stuff. Right. But, you know... It's definitely an interesting topic going through depression in the modern day, knowing that the fact that depression, quote unquote, wasn't a big deal, what, 30 years ago? People always say, just man it up, suck it up, 
tough it out, rub some dirt on it, right? Right. Do you have any any stories of that, like, before you were diagnosed? Did your family ever hit you with anything like that? Um, no. I mean, there was probably, like, a time where, like, they thought I was just, like, just doing it for attention. But now they, like, understand that's, a, like, a real problem that I have or am facing currently. So, I'd say they, they were, like, I, I want to say I was, like, misunderstood at some point. But that was, like, before, like, I got diagnosed. But uh, things are better now. Like, I've always had a good relationship with my parents. It was just, like, a time where, like, they just thought I was doing it for attention. So Definitely. Yeah. Definitely understand that. So if there was one thing you can change about the education system to cope with kids with depression or identify more children with depression to help them out of this dark hole... What would it be for schools all around the world? I'd say, first thing, I mean, if you can see that there's, like, an apparent problem, like, with a child, like, at school, um, it's just all about, like, asking, you know, what's happening at home, like, are you doing okay, and just getting them, like, active counseling to, like, people who actually care and stuff, and if they do have, like, something that's affecting them in the classroom, like, have the teachers like implement something like so that they can be successful instead of just like you know ignoring their problems or like having other kids like make them feel like inferior i guess so. I, I can see that but you know, don't you think that's kind of like how modern counseling is now what what the counselors are supposed to do unfortunately i believe that the counselors are swamped with paperwork to the school and the states are requiring them to do, and they can't dedicate time to the students as much. So I guess my question would be, what if you could create, if you had unlimited funding, create a program to be implemented into the schools, what would their goal be and what would they do? Um, I, I mean, if I had like unlimited funding, I honestly, I target like every child like individually and see like what their wants and needs are in life i i think uh most most children like in educational systems like in america are just like you know lack like clear direction in life and don't know entirely don't entirely know what they want to do so so basically what i'm kind of hearing you would take the paperwork and all the unnecessary work for these counselors and kind of mandate that they need to meet with a number of kids every week and you need to see every child in the school at least three or four times a year and have a conversation with right. them. Right. Just have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, and if they are struggling in the classroom from, like, some learning disability, like, you know, like you are, you know, just have them get, like, the right – take the steps, like, needed to, like, make sure they, like, succeed in, like, the school system because, you know – it's really, like, we honestly, like, take it for granted, like, the, the the education we can get, like, here. Because in most countries, like, they don't really get to go to school, so... They have to stay yeah. at home, work, and help provide for their family. Exactly, exactly. exactly. So, yeah, I think that kind of, like, ties into it. Well, you know, some people don't realize, but during the Great Depression, uh, there was a lot of kids that didn't go to school because they had to help provide for their families, and... If you think about it, the Great Depression wasn't all too long ago. What, three, 
three and a half, four generations back, mm-hmm. there could be people still alive today. In fact, in my family, our matriarch is actually from the Great Depression. She's a product of the Great Depression. Her really? mother and father were in it. She was born right after it. So she still has some scars of, you know, hoarding. You know, we could say that for later. I don't think she's ever sold a car in her life. If she buys something, she keeps it forever if she has to. Because they never know when, you know, another depression might start. So I, I definitely understand that. Yeah, um, I got a question for you. Um, did you ever feel like, you know, I know you talked about your uh, learning disability and stuff. Did you ever feel that, like, you know, did you ever feel more sadness from it in, like, classrooms? Or did you just, like, like felt inferior, like, by other students? So, or is it, or is it's it a tricky question. Up? So, it, it was a little bit of everything. I, for a long time, didn't feel accepted in schools. Because I somehow, by the grace of God, and the little bit of luck I got, always ended up in a classroom full of the GT kids, the gifted and talented kids, the kids that always did above and beyond. I do not understand why they would put me in that class. But throughout elementary school, I was in those classes. And I was very protective over my work. I did not want people to see it because one week... A kid was passing out papers for the teacher, saw how much I had done, and started calling me names. Like, are you dumb? Are you stupid? What's wrong with you? Like, I already have four pages done. And yeah, that still scars me to today. But at the same time, I know that if I work hard, one day that'll pay off. And right now, I don't know what that kid's doing. I don't even know if he remembers my name. But I know if... Right now, I bust my tail and I work hard. I know it'll pay off in the end. And it was thankful. I'm thankful for the teachers and the education system to kind of give me that little nudge with some reading specialists and some help. Now, I do believe that there could be a lot more help. There could be 24-hour help throughout the school systems. Because my reading specialist, Ms. Clements, bless her heart, throughout high school, had to take care of kids all around my district by herself for three years five high schools that were all five and six a schools and one reading specialist that's tough on one person having to individually dedicate time to each of them at least one day a week so she jumped around monday through friday to a different school i feel like if she had some help which she did get her last year there she would have done a lot better for each student. I still wish I could reach out to her. I actually lost her number and thank her today. Um, so, you know, if I could reverse my question upon myself that I asked you, if I had unlimited funding for every, let's say, 100 students, that's a big number, 100 people to take care of, right? For every 100 kids that have dyslexia, ADHD, learning problems in the classroom, at least one, maybe two reading specialists. People that have gone to school to take care of these kids. That's what I would do. I would dedicate funding and material and give them a classroom inside these high schools, elementary schools, middle schools, all this, and really help them. Because when you get to college, yeah, they do accommodations and stuff still and give you, you know, extra time on tests, calculators, this or that. But it's not the same. You still have to build those 
fundamental foundation of values and educational values through these kids or when they get to college they're going to fail miserably and that's why some people just that have dyslexia and ADHD feel dumb and inferior to their colleagues but at the same time that's why if you ever see me and I'm like hey guys I got to study I can't go out tonight it's really because I have to study it's not right it's not me fighting and being like oh no I don't know the material because this this and this it's I have to study or I won't know the material because for the normal mind, it might take you, like I said, an hour, but for me, it could take me up to three. And so that's just, that's my whole thing. So you got any more questions for me now? Uh, no. Well, I think that's a, about it for this segment of everything. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, Noah. Thank you for having me. If, if I do this again, I hope to have you again on the show. Absolutely. I'd like to give a big shout out to the University of Arkansas for letting me be a student here, and a big shout out to my Comp Two teacher, Miss Dutton, for being a great teacher all year long. If I could give words of encouragement to anybody with depression, dyslexia, ADHD, or any problems out there. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel, and there's always people to contact to give you help. And that's it for this segment of uh, Broken But Not Dumb. Thanks for listening.